Uh, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, though. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Jesus says, You have heard that it has been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue you at law, and take away uh, your coat, let him also have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asks thee, and from him that would borrow of you, uh, return or turn not thou away. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God's blessings on the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the many blessings that you shed upon us. Lord, I pray that you would use the text today, uh, guide and direct as I speak through it, Lord, and um, Lord, just please allow your spirit to work in the hearts of each and every one that is here today. We're thankful for your blessings. We're thankful for this, uh, this message that Jesus has delivered to us. And I pray that you would um, just use the, the verses today, use the text, and, uh, and guide your speaker as well. Thank you so much for all your blessings. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. We have been looking at six different illustrations of the kind of righteousness uh, that Jesus expects from those in his kingdom. And we've been looking at the Christian in different topics. We looked at the Christian and his anger, the Christian and his, uh, uh, his adultery, the, the Christian and his marriage, the Christian and all those different things. And uh, today we're looking at the Christian and his revenge. Uh, Bill Cosby used to tell the story of a Frankenstein prank that was uh, played on him back when he was a kid. And I'm not going to attempt even to try to tell this story, but uh, the gist of it was is that there was a bunch of kids from the neighborhood who uh, told him to come along and had him run up this flight of stairs. And uh, by the time he got up to the third or fourth uh, story, uh, they had a great big life-size Frankenstein poster uh, that they leaned out in front of him, made a big noise, and of course uh, scared him. He says he fell down all the steps, or I forgot what it was. But uh, anyway, he says when it was all over with, uh, you know, he, he had run, and they had caught up with him and everything, and, and, uh, and they said, come on, let's get somebody else. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to be the only one. We're going to get somebody else. And so, uh, you know, the, it just continued to go around and around. Well, the truth is is that we have all... Uh, been hurt or agitated in some way and felt the need for revenge or retaliation. And so today we're going to look at what Jesus has to say on this subject. Let's jump right into uh, verse 38. Uh, we're going to look at an eye for an eye. That's something we've all heard before, an eye for an eye. And Jesus said to them in verse 38, he says, You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth is, is something that's well known to all of us. We've heard this all the way growing up. Uh, as a matter of fact, it is one of the oldest laws in existence. Uh, I mean, it is, it's old. So your grandma heard about eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Brother Hall, uh, you know, has known this for a long time. Um, I think he was there when they, when they issued this law. But uh, nevertheless, it, it is one of the oldest ones in existence. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy excuse me, chapter 19, verse 21, actually says, 
eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And so it was equal, the punishment uh, was equal. If you take this, then this will be taken uh, from you. Now the spirit of this law is for the punishment to fit the crime. In other words, the punishment was not to exceed uh, the crime that it was committed, or that was committed, but, but it was also to measure up at the same time. So in other words, if someone breaks a law, uh, then he shouldn't get less than what he deserves, but at the same time he's not to be given more than what he deserves. And so the eye for eye and tooth for tooth just kind of balanced out the punishment uh, that would be issued towards someone. Now there are two important things about this law that I want you to uh, just bear with me on here for just a second. Uh, first of all, the carrying out of this law was in the hands of the courts, not the civilians. Now, the way that we've usually heard eye for eye or tooth for tooth is on a personal level. You do something, I do something back to you. And then we say it's okay because the Bible says eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I want you to understand this was a law. I mean, the law of a land. Uh, this was a civil law. And so this eye for eye and tooth for tooth uh, it couldn't just be done by anyone. You couldn't just walk up and, and do something back to someone uh, after they had done it to you. It, it had to be brought through uh, the court system, and then they would judge by this principle or by this law. And so this law protected people from uh, vigilante justice, which is basically where people take the law into their own hands and decide that they are going to dish out the judgment or dish out the the consequences for whatever crime has been committed. And today, if someone was to do that, they would be in trouble with the law, wouldn't they? If someone comes in and, and, uh, and commits a crime against you, uh, steals your stuff or whatever, and then a little bit later you go out and shoot them, you're going to be in trouble, you know? And, and so it, it kind of restricted this type of thing from going on. Now, eye for eye... Uh, did not give people the right to go around and poke out people's eyes or chop off limbs whenever they wanted to do so. It wasn't an excuse for violence back to other people or an excuse for retaliation. But this law helped to ensure that the punishment did not escalate. It was designed to prevent increasing increments of retaliation. And I'll explain that here more in just a second. This was a law that was intended to be enforced by the judicial system just like our laws today. And so you could not take the law into your hand and then justify it through uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth uh, type thing. Then, however, entered the Pharisees. Now, this has kind of been our story so long. The Bible says this, God's Word says this, it meant this, but then the Pharisees would come in, and, and just like they have with everything else, they completely twisted around the true intent of this law. And so instead of looking at this law as a way to ensure justice is served, they used it to justify their own personal retaliation. They moved past the spirit of civil justice that was behind this law and used it to exercise their rights. In other words, the Pharisees said, all right, you slap me, now you stand there while I slap you because it's my right to do so. And if you challenge that, well, the Bible says eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And so you slap me, you've got to stand there, and I'll have somebody hold your hands behind your back if you need me to, but you're fixing to get slapped. You know, it's basically uh, how they use this law. They used it to justify them 
getting even or retaliating against other people. And that was in no way how this law was ever intended to be used. The letter of the law said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but the spirit of the law was simply just fair judgment. They weren't to get less than they deserved, but at the same time, they were not to get more than they deserved. Now, that brings it to us. Because when it comes to our anger and our desire for revenge, we often do not deal out retaliation in equal proportions, but instead we tend to elevate the response. You slap me in the face, so I'm going to punch you in the face type thing. You stole something from me, and so I'm going to get you type thing. You know, that, that's really what we do. Uh, the other day, I was in the living room sitting there, and uh, Josh has a little Nerf gun. And those things hurt if you've never been shot by one. They are a little painful. Well, he came through, and he uh, shot Kylie, I think in the side, something like that, shot her. And, uh, and, you know, she ran out of the room screaming. The next thing I know, they were just both running out of the room. A few minutes later, Josh is walking back in. He's not holding his side. He's holding his head. Because somehow it went from a Nerf gun shot to now I'm going to pound you on top of the head. You know, uh, it, it, it escalated, if you understand what I mean. And any time you've been around, especially children, you're going to see the same thing happen. Uh, they get hurt some way, and so they're going to go over and above you know, what, is, what is needed in order to, uh, to get even with someone else. And so that's what happens, though. And it's with the adults as well. I mean, uh, it, that is the trend when you're getting even. As a matter of fact, this week at camp, I am sure that there's all, already been some whispers about pranking this week at camp because that just seems to be something that, uh, that they like to do. But, you know, it starts out as toothpaste between the toes, and the next thing you know, there's eyebrows missing. Because we can't just get them back even. I mean, we've got to go beyond. We, we've got to really get them. And don't get any ideas. If I see any missing eyebrows, somebody's going to be in trouble. But I'm saying we, we tend to go far beyond what the equal uh, retaliation or revenge might be. And that is what this law was meant to protect. It wasn't about getting even. It was about getting fair justice. At least that was uh, originally what the spirit of this law was to be. Now, let's talk about what Jesus says about this. He says, you've heard this. This is common knowledge to you. You've heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But then he always responds to that by saying, but I say to you this, and, and he says this in verse 39, but I say to you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. I want us to look at that first little phrase there, though. He says, I say to you, resist not evil. Now, let me start by saying that this was the part of Jesus' sermons where the amens stopped. Everybody's been following along okay until here. Because Jesus says, you've heard it taught that you can get even with your enemies, but I'm telling you, don't. You've heard have been taught that it's okay to retaliate when others do something against you. I'm telling you not to resist that. Not, not, don't fight back against that. You see, he was about to say something that was very, very hard to hear. 
What Jesus says in verse 39 is just simply this, do not resist evil. I want to look at those two words, resist evil, for just a moment. The, the word resist means this, to actively oppose through pressure or power, and, and this is kind of the visual that I got from that, is pushing back. When someone, does, when someone pushes you, you push them back. You have resisted the pressure that they've placed on you. You're pushing back with, uh, with equal pressure or, or force, uh, trying to, uh, to get your way instead of having uh, their way done to you. Now, the word evil there, uh, this is something I want us to pay close attention to. This word evil is a masculine adjective, which should not simply be rendered as evil in general, but it really should be translated as an evil person or an evil man. Uh, as a matter of fact, even in the New King James uh, translation, it's translated uh, against an evil person. Uh, and so it, it is talking about a person, a human being that has done evil towards you. He says, when, when this happens, you don't push back. So in other words, this is how we could say this. Don't oppose those who oppose you, or don't push back when people push you. And we've all been out in the schoolyard and seen the push fight go on, haven't we? And someone shoves, and what has to happen next? Oh, they're coming back, and they're going to shove right back, you know. And they'll go on, shoving and shoving and shoving, pushing back and forth. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't push back when people push you. Don't retaliate when people do evil against you. But instead, he's going to teach them how they should handle such uh, situations that come about. Now, the following four examples are simply illustrations about this command. Now, the most uh, famous one that we have is uh, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other cheek also. And we, we even talked about that. You know, how many times do you turn the cheeks? Well, he slapped me on the right, he slapped me on my left, but it, now that both of them are, have been slapped, you know, I'm, it's free game. I can, uh, I can slap them right back. But, but again... It's, that is not the spirit of what's going on here. The, the turn the other cheek is actually just an illustration of what Jesus said here when he says don't resist evil. And he gave us a few of these that I want us to look at just very quickly here. First of all, he says, he says if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to them as well. And let's look at verse 39. He says, I say to you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, this is very important. This is something I hadn't caught until I was studying for the message this time. But he says, he says specifically, if someone slaps you on your right cheek. Now, most everything that was done officially was done with the right hand. You hear a lot about the right hand in the Bible. And the Jews were very much this way as well. If you were going to officially slap somebody, you didn't slap them with the left hand. I mean, if you really wanted to get down, you, you slapped them with the right hand. Now, if you're standing facing me, it's very hard for me to slap your right cheek with my right hand like this, isn't it? And so in order for me to slap your right cheek, I've got to slap you, backhanded slap. I mean, that's double. That's almost as bad as talking about somebody's mama. I mean, you know, if somebody backhand slaps you, it is on after that, all right? And that's what Jesus said. He says, if someone slaps your right cheek, you don't slap them back. Now, that's what the Pharisees would do. 
You slap me? Now you stand there while I slap you. He says, if somebody slaps your right cheek, turn the other. Let them slap the other one too. Don't, don't retaliate. Don't resist that person who has done evil to you. The second one we have here is uh, if someone sues you and demands your tunic as collateral, give him your outer garment as well. That's what verse 40 says. He says, if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, that's your tunic, the inner garment. If he's going to sue you and hold that tunic, hold your clothes as collateral, he says, let him have your cloak also. If he's going to demand something from you, you say, oh yeah, don't just take this, I'll give you my coat as well. Go above and beyond, not above and beyond in retaliation, but above and beyond in your kindness towards those who are being awful towards you. The complete opposite of, of what the teaching had been to them. He says in verse 41, if a Roman soldier demands you to carry his supplies for one mile, he says agree to go with him for two miles. In verse 41, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain uh, or two. Now, I said Roman soldier here. I guess this could really fit in any scenario, but uh, Romans were definitely had invaded the land. These soldiers, you know, they, they had the freedom. If, uh, if you were walking by and they didn't feel like carrying their stuff, they could say, Ricky Dinkins, come on. You're going to carry my pack for a mile. And, and you didn't like the Romans. You didn't want to go anywhere with a Roman soldier. But he says, come on, and you had to do that by law. He says, when that happens, don't just go with him one mile. Go two miles. Walk with him too. Go, go above and beyond what he has required of you. If someone inconveniences you by asking to borrow or asking you to give, he says, don't turn them away. Verse 42. Give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn not thou away. Now, every one of these that we've just read is an illustration of how kingdom people are to opt out of retaliation. And there's two things that I want you to see that's going to happen when we do this. First of all, when we decide not to retaliate, first of all, this is not going to be normal behavior. Now, some people are going to do evil against you just because it was in the heat of the moment and... And, uh, you know, they're not really expecting anything back. They just do it. And, uh, but when you decide, I'm not going to retaliate, they're going to, it's going to register, why haven't they done anything back to me? You know? But understand that there are some people who are going to purposely push your buttons. They are going to do things to you because they can. And they're going to dare you to do anything back. They're going to expect you. They're, they're waiting for you to to respond with retaliation, to respond with anger or vengeance, any of those things. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't retaliate. You don't have to do that. That's not easy, is it? The second thing I want you to understand about this is that there's no promise of repayment. Just because you opt out of retaliating or getting revenge on someone, there's no promise that there's some special blessing that's going to come to you as a result of that. There's, there's no promise that 
somehow things are going to get squared up. He just says, don't do it. The underlying principle throughout this whole paragraph here that we've read is about the Christian and his perceived rights for retaliation. And here's the answer for the Christian. Here's the answer to your rights for retaliation. You don't have the right to retaliate. You see, the true Christian has been changed. We have forsaken the self-righteousness that puts us above rebuke, above sin, and above criticism. That is exactly the attitude that is embedded in retaliation. What we're saying is, when someone does something to me, maybe they've criticized me or they have hurt me in some way, and I come back and I retaliate, what I'm saying to them is, I am Anthony Phillips. Do you know who I am? You don't do that to me. I'm important. I'm special. Everybody else could be criticized, but you don't criticize me. Yeah, hurt is a part of life, but you don't hurt me. I'm, I'm Anthony. I'm special. I'm above that. But you see, the Christian has, he has refused that type of attitude. He has been changed from that type of attitude. You see, the Beatitude Christian does not feel that way. He is poor in spirit, as the Beatitudes say, and he realizes how imperfect he truly is. He is meek at heart, and therefore he humbly agrees with his critics. You call me sorry. You call me dumb. You call me worthless. You call me useless. And when I hear those things, if I'm poor in spirit and I'm meek in heart, then I'm going to look right back at you and say, you're absolutely right. Because in comparison to God and His holiness, I'm a dog. I am worthless. There's nothing good in me at all. You're right. Meekness agrees with the critics about who we are. The Beatitude Christian starves for God's righteousness because he knows that there's no good in himself. Now, someone who has taken on that attitude, do you think that this is the kind of person that's going to demand revenge on another? The answer to that is no. I guess it could really all be wrapped up in this statement. Dead people don't have rights. Dead people don't have rights. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says this, and just listen. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. Now, I still live, 
But it's not me that lives, it's Christ in me. And so the life that I now have here, it's not for myself, but it's for the Son of God who gave Himself for me. Listen, if I am crucified with Christ, if I am dead to sin and self, if I have changed my citizenship from earth to heaven, what rights do I have? Now, I see the amens have stopped for me too. Because surely there's someone out there asking this question. Are you saying that we have no rights then? That we are to let people use us and run over us and abuse us and do nothing about it? The Bible says an eye for an eye. Jesus does not expect me to let people walk all over me. I have rights. And to you, I would ask you to turn to verse 10 of chapter 5, where Jesus says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Verse 38 If that wasn't clear enough, verse 39, excuse me, he says, I say to you that you resist not evil. Don't resist evil. But if someone slaps you, let them slap you again. If someone forces you to do something, go the extra mile with them. If someone requires something of you, give them more than what they require. Don't retaliate. Don't resist. Now listen, I'm not saying that we don't have the right to defend ourselves or to protect our freedom or our homes or our families or even ourselves. What I am saying is this, and listen closely, because I don't want you to carry the wrong message out from here. What I am saying is this, that there are times when we must be willing to forfeit our rights if that is what is required to show love for God and for others. If someone wants to slap me or speak evil against me or inflict hurt upon me because of my faith in God, I'm not going to retaliate. But I choose to opt out and to take whatever they want to give because that's what it's going to take to love God. If there's someone who's lost, who's inflicting hurt or or causing some trouble in your life, if the way to reach them is to take whatever they're giving and just give it to God and let Him handle the rest of it, if that's what it takes to love them, then that's what you do. You set aside your perceived rights in order to love the other person. That's what God expects. That's what Christ expects of the people in His kingdom. Now listen, before you start leaving, listen to this. God created a world with light and warmth, with land and water, food and oxygen and life and liberty. He created this earth for you to live in it and to enjoy a relationship with Him. But you rebelled. You sinned against God. You broke His laws and therefore 
broke the relationship that he was wanting to have with you. Your sin has offended God to the highest degree. And because you have become a criminal against his courts, Jesus had every right to despise you, destroy you, and forget you. He had every right to hold you responsible to the highest extent of his law. But instead of immediately becoming your judge, he set aside his rights. And he became your servant. He took your punishment and your death on his cross. To be a Christian, a true Christian, we are required to mimic his selflessness. I want you to pay attention to what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24 says. Go ahead and turn there with me just very quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. He says, For even here and too were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Now listen to what that says. It says Christ is our example, who though he was sinless and blameless, when they reviled him, when they slapped him, he didn't slap back. When they pushed him, he didn't push back. When they spoke evil against them, he didn't threaten them. But he humbled himself and submitted himself to the one that judges righteously. He says, and you are to do the same. This is the pattern that he expects you to follow. That if Christ could do this for you, that you could hold back your retaliation for him. Ephesians 4:31-32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Love requires us to lay aside our rights for the cause of Christ and for the benefit of of others. Now listen, these are not easy things to hear. Because we all want to hold on to this thought that we have the right to claim that eye for eye, tooth for tooth, revenge mentality. We all want to feel as though we're justified and retaliation because somewhere a law permits that in God's Word. What I've shown you today is that, first of all, that was never intended for us to use personally in our own vendettas. And second of all, Christ made very clear that we're not to resist those evil people that work against us. But we're to submit to God, 
And we're to show love and kindness to all those, even our enemies, which is where we go next week. I want us to stand this morning. Perhaps you have some anger or bitterness in your heart towards someone. Perhaps you've already been making plans on how to get even or show somebody who has shown you up. Christ is asking you to forsake that this morning and just put it in His hands. Just in case you're wondering, there is a verse that says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He says, I will repay. Let's not take our matters into our own hands. Let's give them to God. Let's let Him deal with them. And let's pray for those who despisefully use and persecute us and pray that God would use whatever the situation is to bring them to the knowledge of Christ. As we bow our heads this morning, as the music plays, perhaps what I said to you this morning about your crime, about your sin against God and the, uh, the great offense that you've made against God, but the fact that He decided to forgive you, to love you anyway, to die for you on the cross, to extend salvation to you. Maybe that registered with you this morning. And you realize that you have never turned from your own sin and trusted Christ as your Savior. I want to encourage you today, if that's so, talk to someone about that today. I'd be willing to sit down and discuss salvation with you, but there are other men in this church, ladies in this church, who know Christ, and they'd be willing to show you how to trust Him as Savior today as well. Perhaps there's some decision that God wants you to make this morning, something that He's already been dealing with you about, and He's just waiting on you to act. Would you submit to that this morning? Whatever it is that God wants you to do, would you take the time to respond to His Spirit and His working today? I'm going to give you some time of silence and I'm just going to let the music play. And I encourage you, if God's still with your heart, pause right where you are and talk to Him about that matter today. Great to see everybody uh, today. We've come to God's house. We've sung some praises to Him. We've lifted up our prayers to Him. Hopefully, uh, we have worshipped Him from our hearts. We've also listened to Him and His words and uh, what He would have us to uh, to hear and uh, to take home with us today. And sometimes God's word is painful, but sometimes the truth hurts. And um, I hope that you're able to take something home today to think about, to apply to your life, and I ask that uh, you would just pray for God to show you how to take this message and uh, the word that he's delivered to you this morning and, uh, and how to apply.
apply it to your own life and put it into your own everyday practice. I want you to remember our services tonight. We do uh, we have worship service at 7 o'clock this evening, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody here tonight for that.